Nathan, and I'm Dave, and today we're going to be sexually harassing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably probably shouldn't lead in with that. <laughs> if you're recording right now and you put this in the podcast, I will have hate you forever. I'm Nathan. And I'm Dave. And we are experts in a field that should not exist. Welcome to Rough in the Diamond. The show where we review the most out of place. And the most iconic episodes. Of the greatest TV series. Rough in the Diamond. Rough, 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 rough. in the Diamonds. Dave, this is an extra special episode for us. Can you, uh, could you elaborate on that please? Well, there's, there's a few reasons why this is an extra special episode today. The first is that this is not an out-of-place episode, but this is one of our extra special iconic episode episodes. Oh, okay, an iconic episode episode. So today's episode of Rough and the Diamonds is an episode about an iconic episode. Correct. You've nailed yes. it. You know what's going on. Awesome. And the second is that this is extra special to us because today we're reviewing The Office... And uh, you and I will inevitably write the Australian version of The Office. Oh, absolutely. It's only a matter of time, really. Can't wait. We're laying the groundwork today, I think, for what our futures hold. After watching this episode, I'm like, I'm feeling that that might very well be a bad thing, but <laughs> we'll see how we go. You didn't like this episode. I, I mean, I did. I did. But it really, there were so many times where I just genuinely felt really uncomfortable watching, man. We are reviewing a very early episode of The Office where I think the history of the UK version from which it was based was still really prevalent in the writing. I think you're right. I think this shows. So, Dave, this is iconic for a very specific reason. This is the number one first ever That's What She Said episode. Th- that's, this is the first time it's ever dropped in this show, a show that made that lion famous. Yeah, I remember hearing, starting to hear this phrase a lot in the early 2000s, and yeah, really was said a lot in The Office. There's quite a few instances of it being said in the later seasons as well. It can be really difficult with these sort of iconic episodes to pin down exactly where something happens. You know, sometimes we look at TV series and we say, oh, that series is iconic because they did this over the course of the series. But this Mm. is one where you can really look at this episode and say, this episode had a number of these references in it. And this was like the point where that joke, that line hit the common vernacular and became something really common in comedy. Today's episode that we shall be reviewing is The Office, Season 2, Episode 2, Sexual Harassment. Okay, so I've, for reference, I haven't, I've never watched the BBC series. Uh, can you, have you watched any of it, Nathan? Yeah. The, the difference being that you just hate the manager, David Brent, in the UK office. He is truly insufferable. And that's kind uh, of the point of that one. It was it was a true mockumentary. It was meant to really poke fun at crappy workplace docos. And yeah, and yeah, absolutely right. After watching this episode, it's like Michael does try, or at least he thinks he's like a cool boss, but there's just so many times he just does something highly inappropriate. It's something like for a show that has gone on so long and been so good. Literally, just the fact that 
you know, the writers have just set in stone that sexual harassment takes place in this office is terrible. Yeah, I mean, man, you really feel sorry for, like, the women working here, hey? Oh, poor Pam. This one is is somewhere where those people should quit their jobs and leave. Even though you can get the jokes, and they definitely did have some funny moments. It was just so many times, which was everything was just really uncomfortable and inappropriate and awkward. Yeah, the I think what you're saying is that cringe humor was definitely out in force, and maybe yeah. sometimes minus the humor. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you were like, "Oh, this is bad," but not not in like a funny bad way. It's just bad. <laughs> um, I, I'd call it hit and miss because there are definitely times this for me where it hits. Oh, I do agree. Actually, um, there are definitely some really good jokes in here, like amongst the cringe. There are ducks, but there are sixes as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Run in the diamonds. Uh, we start off the episode with the lovely Michael Scott, the manager, played by Steve Carell, of course, is making a couple of jokes and he's passing around forwards around the office. He's uh watching a um a video that Dwight has showed him, a very humorous video about a monkey having sexual intercourse very loudly and he wants to pass it around the office because that's what you do in a professional workplace do you remember email forwards do you remember those days those were back in like early 2000s i bet that there are boomers out there who still send each other email forwards and like text message forwards as well pass this on and you'll get good luck if if not you will die in your sleep I don't understand how that was everything. You know, I was there for it. I was in the middle of it. They yeah. were actually grouped in with, like, computer viruses because there was so little, like, bandwidth available at the time that they were, like, consuming bandwidth allocations and uh, wasting the time of people's employees. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, they weren't, like, harmful to your computer directly, but they weren't really good either. Th- there's probably, like, a generation of people out there who, who don't really comprehend... How sinister <laughs> the email forward wit was. But just imagine you're sitting there minding your own business and then you get some sort of boomer joke with a minion meme in it and a threat that, like, you'll be strangled to death at midnight if you don't forward it on. Like, that's the sort of emotional roller coaster we had to deal with <laughs> in the early 2000s. Basically. Oh, and it was, it was bad as well because, obviously, like you said, the, the bandwidth was low, or at least if you wanted to have a good amount of bandwidth, you had to pay a lot. And you'd get these emails with like fancy text and like all these like loaded with gifts, like bad gifts too, but they just took up so much bandwidth. So just to open the email, you'd use like a quarter of your monthly limit already. Oh, it was hell. Like working, working in an office when you had someone decide it would be a really good idea to send like a hundred people the same email that had like uh, heaps of pictures in it. Like, oh, and they'd forward it around, really and the, everyone would just be like, oh, no, are you serious? <laughs> Everyone's computers stopped working while Microsoft Outlook was busy downloading all the pictures. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. So off to, off to a great start. You send me these filthy emails, and you say forward them to 10 people, or you'll have bad luck. So at this point, David Keckner, I think that's, he, that's how you pronounce his name. Anyway, he plays Champ from Anchorman, and he shows up as... Todd Packer, who is basically the same character. He's basically an annoying, sexist pig. 
Champ here. I'm all about having fun, you know. Champ from Anchorman shows up as Todd Packer. Who is basically the same character as Champ from Anchorman. Yeah, so he's, he's Todd Packer. He's basically, he's just this annoying guy who everybody hates except Michael because they, you know, like started in the same office together in sales or something. How, how could Packer have come up with Michael in sales? And now Michael is, it seems his boss... Because Packer must be like the regional salesman reporting to Michael in his region. But even though he's his superior, Michael still idolizes him like a child. I mean, I think he thinks, oh, you know, it's Todd Packer guy. He's a real wild card, which he kind of is, but not in a cool way. Just in an annoying way that you'd wish he would just not exist. I'm going to come in early and share a controversial opinion. All right, hit me. I love toxic masculinity in media. Now, just just hear me out here, okay? Okay, okay. We, as the audience, are laughing at Todd Packer. That someone could be so ridiculous to have that level of toxic masculinity, to bring that into the workplace, to think that's appropriate, to not, to not even see like, the damage that's being done around him. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. And we in society should treat toxic masculinity that same way. If someone behaves that stupidly in real life, we should be laughing at them and just pointing out how ridiculous they are. I love in a comedic setting seeing people behaving stupidly like this, whether it's Todd Packer in The Office or Spartacus Blood and Sand where the main characters all just hate each other because they are just so extraordinarily toxically masculine. I said that. Well done. I just think it's a great laugh. You know, when when he walks in later in the episode and he thinks he's so funny because he says, Where is Michael Snot sniffing some dude's thong? (laughs) Probably. What was that? The line he says to Jim at the start is like, What's up, Halpert? Still queer? Uh (laughs) It's not even funny. It's like, we're not laughing with him. We're laughing at him. I'm laughing at him that he would just go and do that. Old dude who's just like, who probably, like, literally no woman has ever loved him or will ever love him again because of just such a bad character he is. Because I agree with that. It's good to laugh at those people. Like, like, be clear, we are not laughing with them. We are laughing at them. But, I mean, and it, it just brings out all these other really interesting things in the characters. Like, does Jim stand up to him? No, he shies away and he talks to the ca- He talks smack to the camera behind his back. What has two thumbs and hates Todd Packer? This guy. You know, does anyone else speak up? No. Who joins in on those laughs? Like, it actually is really revealing about the true attitudes and characters of the people around. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't actually think about it that way. Like, obviously, the women just want nothing to do with him because he's just a dick. But some of the guys kind of get into the jokes, but most of them don't. And I'm sure we'll come back to that soon. But I just wanted to say, like, let's hate on on that sort of behavior. But uh, at the same time, I think in this setting, it is it can be really funny. Can I just just tell you one of my favourite lines in TV ever 
yeah, is um, from Spartacus Blood and Sand. It was just in, in Spartacus Blood and Sand, and they're all like gladiators fighting in the Roman arena, and one of them has to just at at a whim of of their master, uh, he has to start training in this different style where he throws like. And this is this is real to like uh, Roman history. He fights with like basically a trident and a net, and he's like he's got to like throw the net, cat, get the person caught up in the net, and then stab them with the trident. Is basically the strategy of that particular type of fighter. And the other guys like for no reason bully him. They come up to him and go, "Oh, did you catch any fish in your little net? Is there any fish today in your little net?" <laughs> and- <laughs> just absurd and to me it's hilarious and i just wanted to share yeah. that with you mate that's cool you know what? i agree with that it's kind of like one of the best yeah, lines in television did you catch any fish in your little net <laughs> i love it when you speak in that kiwi accent it's so good oh thanks i've been oh, practicing practicing it's it's a fantastic accent that everyone should be able to do it's, it's very authentic south island <laughs> It's either funny or, like, really offensive. <laughs> Hopefully funny and not offensive. To any of our New Zealand listeners who may exist or may not exist, we, we apologise. Yeah, I sound like a background character in Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> or, <laughs> or an orc from Mordor, one or the other. <laughs> Alright, boys, let's give them something to drink. <laughs> like a bit of, bit of eggnog. Meets back on the meets back on the menu, boys. Meets back on the menu, boys. <laughs> They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Oh, that doesn't really work, does it? I tried. Uh. So I don't know how we got to Lord of the Rings, but from the office. But there you go. Lord of the Rings and the office take take place within the same universe, but not but like the where would takes place. where would you rather be? At the same time, we're being introduced to the uh, Todd Packer. Um, we're also informed that we'll be introduced to Pam's mum. She said her mum doesn't have a phone, so it's like a nice surprise for her when her mum was just going to randomly show up, mm. which is fun, I guess. Her mum's from the past. Yeah. Her mum's a time traveller. It's good because you can kind of see, like, you can already in this episode be like, ah, oh, I have a rough yeah. idea of how everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as you hear it, you just... Like the, like, the title of the episode gives it all away anyway, but it's still just... You can just see where things are going to happen. How did you feel about Michael's different talking head moments in this episode? You mean, like, when he was talking to the camera? Yeah, so the talking heads are when it's just, like, one person talking to the camera and you just see their, uh, yeah, their yeah. face. Because so, I think before this... Uh, we had, I think Toby from HR tells everyone that um, he's going to have to give like a talk of just a five minute talk on like the company's sexual harassment policy because some CEO or something got fired for sexual misconduct or there's something going on. And yeah. And then it's just sort of after this that Michael starts doing the things, doing giving the interviews saying that, oh, you know, we shouldn't have to police everything we say. And, you know, this is a fun and fun environment. So we should be able to just make jokes, that sort of thing. Yeah. And it kind of say it was a great L cut from Packer overtly bullying Jim <laughs> um, into Michael's talking head. 
Yeah, really good. You hear Michael talking and you just see what Packer is clearly, <laughs> through his body language, the terrible things he's saying to Jim. He, he's just, <laughs> and yeah. Jim is just taking it. Just, just taking it. And just, you know, like, he doesn't even want to fight back. I, I thought some moments with with Michael were hilarious. When he, oh, when he talks yeah, about Toby and says... Toby is in HR, which technically means he works for corporate... So he's really not a part of our family. Also, he's divorced, so he's really not a part of his family. That was such a good one. Like, that was brutal. And I was in stitches. I did not see that coming. But then there are other ones, like how Todd Packer took two twins back to his apartment. Yes, I remember that. And it's like, I can't believe this show was written by the same comedians that wrote that one joke that... That took me like a freight train and was just A-grade comedy to like, oh, that guy slept with two girls and I didn't sleep with anyone. That, that, that's, I still thought that was kind of funny, though, because it's kind of the way he's setting it up. You, you're expecting, oh, you know, they're going to go and they're both going to like tag team these girls or something. Then he's just like, and Todd took them back and he did both of them. It was amazing. I guess. It wasn't I guess, it, sh- I guess it shows us that Michael's just a man simp. For Todd Packer. Now that you've mentioned those lines, there's one reason. I think it's later on in the episode, but he's saying, oh, I think he's talking about email forwards because he's saying, you know, I'm just the one forwarding the emails. I'm not the one who actually makes the jokes. He's like, you wouldn't arrest a guy who's just delivering drugs from one guy to another. That's actually got a really kick out of that line. It's good. Um, and he, he, he points out at one point that jokes aren't appropriate. That's why they're jokes. There is no such thing as an appropriate joke. That's why it's a joke. That is a kind of kind of a good oh, point. I'm challenged is by it, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Dark humor, definitely. It, it it goes to show he's not always completely wrong. He's just naive. Yeah, he's wrong most of the time, but sometimes he has like you know a coherent thought. Toby, the HR manager, wants to review their harassment policy because he can see that this is going on. He doesn't stand up to it. He doesn't stop it. He just wants to review the policy with Michael. But at this point, like there is openly sexual harassment going on in the office between Packer and Jim. And you could argue some of the statements Packer made already fall into that category. But Toby doesn't want to actually talk to Michael about any of that that's happening right in front of him. He wants to talk about the CEO that was caught doing the wrong thing and it's completely coincidental that that has come up at the same time that Packers misbehaved. Yeah, that felt a bit weird. Like he wasn't actually doing anything to stop the sexual harassment taking place in front of his very eyes. We're really well positioned, I have to say. Like you can see how the company is just holding company policy and not actually doing anything to yeah, realistically it's just kind of like on paper they're doing yeah. the bare minimum to be yeah. like oh we, we've reviewed the policy so we're safe legally even though we don't actually care about what happens and we can see that's going to be the thread as we go through this the the company's just going to do policy not actually care about people the actual staff like pam are going to be in precarious situations where they need to be protected and michael is just going to flaunt it do whatever he wants and packer is going to be destructive like all these all these forces are at work and they're all they're all those storm fronts are going to meet yeah 
so now Michael decides that he wants a new joke to try and blow away all the people in the or during the sexual harassment policy refresher meeting. So he just to prove that, oh, you know, we can still make jokes and they'll be funny and everyone likes them. And so he goes down to the people working at the warehouse of the same company because he's like, you know, this that's where jokes are born. Everyone's cracking, like, great one-liners over there. And he goes down to ask them for jokes and they start just ripping on him. It's great. It's it's unreal. He says, oh, we'll go talk to the blue-collar workers because they're rough and and like stereotypes them and it's it's funny that like the stereotype turned out to be so true that they just decided to bully him instead that was, that was great it was, i got a laugh out of that but it's it's just like it, it actually did a really good job of just pointing out the intense level of hypocrisy in this episode that, that i i felt like hypocrisy was kind of the overriding theme I don't know. Does this count as getting literary? Dave, let's get literary. Yeah. Yeah. Literary. Yeah. Let's get literary. Hypocrisy is just on show. Like, Michael hates Toby for being corporate but it turns out that he's corporate himself. Michael won't stand for cruelty, but lets Packer bully his staff. Michael says joking is fine, but he can't handle it when the warehouse guys bully him. Michael interrupts everyone to tell them that there will be an interruption. He says that Topi's presentation was bad, but then he goes and annoys everyone. Michael is so hypocritical. He can't, he can't handle someone sexually harassing him, but he's comfortable with letting it happen in front of him to other people. I feel like they definitely do that a lot in the office in general. The hypocritical things that characters do. That's true. And it shows us like much later on in the story, just how fake Roy is when he's uh, harassing the boss about his penis one minute. And the next minute he's got a nice sweater on talking to Pam's mum about what music they'll play in the car. Yeah. And pretending to be a perfect boy. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? So in a way, isn't this episode just a really, just a commentary on us humans in general, how one moment we will be making, I don't know, making these dirty jokes in front of our mates and then we'll be trying to be the most perfect person for your, your get to show off to your girlfriend's mother. There you go. Crazy, like I, 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 I took that as like um, another nail in the coffin against Roy and how he's so wrong for Pam. But maybe you're right. Like, that's so human. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of joking about it, but true. Where was Jim standing up for all the women in the office? He was there too. Just because Michael's the boss doesn't mean it's his sole responsibility to stand up against injustice. He was like, he was making jokes with the inflatable um, sex doll. You know, it's, it's not okay for Michael to do it, but it's okay for Jim to make jokes. That's hypocritical. There's a lot that actually happens for such a short episode. They've they've very comfortably somehow packed a lot of stuff in. Yeah, they did they did do a good job of that. The next moment we're at the actual seminar being run by Toby about behaving appropriately in the office. This is the point at which Pam is telling everyone that 
you know, oh, my mum's going to visit the office today, so please just try not to be sex- sexually harassing. And as soon as she says, my mum's visiting the office, Kevin's just like... I just wanted to say that just my mom's coming in today. Melf. 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 Like a frog. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Basically, he's a frog. <laughs> it's up to the community to, to, to point out the things are inappropriate, too. They all were there, and no one said, cut it out, Kevin. Pam said, thank you, Kevin, sarcastically. And that was it. Yeah. There was everyone else in the room could have turned on him in that moment and said, no, we're not doing this anymore. Anyone could have done that. Yeah. I'm wondering, is the office here, is this like the hospital at Grey's Anatomy? They just don't care (laughs) what happens to each other. Mom's heart is strong. How to save a life. One way or another, they, they see someone getting sexually harassed and they're saying, you know, what? I could speak up, but I just don't care enough about that person. I don't even know their name. I think that's a very fair point. I think what they're going for in the office is that everyone is so numb to the workplace environment and just the corporate crap that they just keep their head down and don't raise their voice and just put up yeah. with it. Yeah. And and when even you know Michael wasn't there, so mob rule they in a healthy way could have said Kevin no that's inappropriate and they they elected not to, so I think I think in some ways you're right they showed no concern for Pam. You kind of felt like at least somebody would have said hey come on man, but I guess not. Hey watch it kid. Watch it kid. Hey watch it kid. This this takes me back to our second episode. When Eleven was walking through Bum Alley and that crazy hobo ran out to the street yelling, they're all dead. They're all they're dead. All dead. <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> they're all dead. They're all dead. And we asked, where was that one person to just say, come on, man. <laughs> Stop yelling at that little girl. Come on, Larry. Like, hey, sorry. <laughs> Cut it just- out. Don't don't mind Larry. That's just that's just Larry being Larry. Don't mind him. <laughs> Who would have thought we'd find a perfect parallel right here in the office? Really, is a beautiful adventure. There are some pretty funny questions when Toby opens the floor, like Phyllis asking if she would have to let HR know if she had a one night stand with one of her. Yeah. Other. And then at that moment, they do a really good, just, it was just for a second, but it cuts to like, not a cut, but the, the camera pans a bit to the side and you see Jim just look at the camera like, oh, okay, what's this? And then it's just for a second, but that's a really good. Yeah. And, 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 and it's weird. Cause like through the episode till now, we haven't done those reaction shots. This is where the camera suddenly starts doing reaction shots that this show is really, 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 really good at. And we'll talk about some of those other ones pretty soon because we're getting to sort of the momentous moment in this episode that we've been waiting for. Yeah, so it really starts picking up at this point in the episode, like during this, basically just from the start of this um, sexual harassment seminar thing. Yeah, and without going into it, Michael comes in and is just like completely inappropriate talking about sexual relationships with, with Pam. Oh, at this point, I just started getting really uncomfortable watching it, man. I was like, yeah, oh, this this is where the, the cringe got stuck in. Yeah. I think it was during the seminar, but he says, look at Stanley's like centerfold in the Catholic schoolgirls out- outfit. 
He's like, you know, that's hot. And I'm not going to judge him for that. And then Stanley's like, hey, that's my daughter. I'm taking this picture down right now. I was just, I actually had to pause and stop and be like, man, that is, that's not cool. Hey. Yeah. Oh. It's the sort of cringe where you, you've got to show your teeth. Yeah, man. Skipping past that, I actually really appreciated the way they cut. They did this hard cut from his face and the next scene opened on the educational video of how to behave in the workplace. That was good. It's a great little bit of editing. And it's like the educational video is a classic, like, it's not a modern video. It's like something that was probably done in the 90s. Yeah. Like old them. And they're talking about, oh, in the modern workplace, how do you know what crosses the line? The natural redhead. Are you a natural redhead? Now, before we talk about the natural redhead, man, there's so much to talk about in this episode. Oh my gosh. I feel like a lot more happened in this 20, 25 minutes of The Office than happened in the 45 minute episode of The Fly in Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, more happened while I was texting on my phone while watching The Fly than happened <laughs> in the episode The Fly. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we won't get too much hate from the Breaking Bad fans, but if, <laughs> if we did, we would have received it already from the Fly episode, so... The Fly is the problem. This, this is something that confused me a little, just reading between the lines. So Michael is in the room watching the the sexual harassment video uh-huh. with Roy and Daryl from the warehouse. Yeah. The two guys who had quite literally sexually harassed, verbally harassed Michael earlier. Are they there because Michael dobbed on them? Oh, that's a good point. I don't understand what other reason those two guys specifically would be there. Like, they weren't caught doing anything wrong. Yeah, and you feel like if Michael dobbed on them, they probably would have known that and they would have been, like, been resentful. Off at him. But they were, having a, they were having a good time. They were just, you With know, pizza. Boys having, having some pizza, having a few beers or watching, watching the game. and had that sort of vibe to it. Yeah, it, it really confused me. Unless Michael said, stop work, come have some pizza and watch a sexual harassment video, I guess. But then why would he feel the need to come out into the open office and invite everyone to come watch it with him? Because he would have already done that. <laughs> See, I'm a bit stuck. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's a bit... That's a bit... Yeah, it's just weird how they played that out. Okay, we'll, we'll just assume that they're always doing stuff like that in there. Um, yeah. In the room for that reason. Um, and it, it, it comes to the natural redhead. And the problem being that a woman in a workplace is asked if she is a natural redhead. She's not asked if the carpet matches the drapes. She's just literally asked if she is a natural redhead. In a creepy way, but that is that is all that is asked. And I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> Yeah, about I mean, what really yeah. the problem is. It was said in a creepy way, yes, but the question itself, I don't understand. A little yeah, personal, like but not sexually explicit in any sort of way. Yeah. Hey, settle a bet. Are you a natural redhead? Oh, hey, stop the video. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe it ties in with just in the previous in the sexual harassment seminar. Toby was saying something about, oh, you know, intent is irrelevant. So if, if they'd said the whole carpet matches the drapes thing, they'll be like, whoa, hey, guys, not cool. But they just said the natural redhead thing. 
And we're we're almost at the the key point, Dave. Michael comes out spouting that Daryl had actually slept with the the redhead actress. Oh, wait, I think it was actually before this, because before that he said, oh, we're about to watch the, the video. We're going to watch Toby's video to brainwash us. And Jim says, no, thanks. I'm good. And Michael says, that's what she said. Jim? No, thanks. I'm good. That's what she said. You're right. You're absolutely right. We're at the moment. We're at the very first moment where they drop the line. That's what she said. And that's why we're here talking about this episode today, because that's what she said. That's what she said. Oh, hello. I believe it is time again for an episode of David Garrett Meme Expert. It's very rare that one finds a single episode which has a lexicographical impact internationally. Yet worldwide, this episode of the inferior American version of The Office offers that very same extraordinary circumstance with its induction of the phrase, that's what she said, into common vernacular. This is a task for the legendary David Garrett, meme expert. A man who fills me, and to whom I always come back desiring more. His segment is big and rewarding. I trust you can take it in. That's what she said was popularized in modern times by The Office in the early 2000s, around 2005-2006. Now, in the original BBC series, Ricky Gervais' character, David Brent, frequently used the, as the actress said to the bishop line, in the same manner as that's what she said. Now, Steve Carell, Michael Scott, changed it to that's what she said to adapt the phrase to be more modern for the American audience. But the original phrase is believed to have its origins as far back as the early 1900s in the Edwardian era. Another belief is that it originated from a conversation between the actress Lily Langtree and the Bishop of Worcester. They were walking in a garden one day when the Bishop cut his finger on a rose bush. Later, over lunch, the actress Lily asked him, How is your prick? To which he replied, Throbbing. And the butler, upon hearing this, dropped his potatoes in shock. Now, the phrase has been in use since then with various iterations. Alfred Hitchcock's blackmail, for example, is believed to be the first officially recorded instance of this joke. In this case, as the girl said to the soldier. And Chevy Chase used the more American, that's what she said, frequently on Saturday Night Live in the 1970s as well. Yeah, man, it was almost too much for me. Yeah, it definitely was a bumpy ride. I hope I didn't go too long. That's what she said. (laughs) (sighs) Nice. Uh, Michael Scott (laughs) drops the first couple of That's What She Said's in the show before going back to uh, to watch that corporate video. When he comes out a second time, to yell and uh, jump up and down that that one of the guys had allegedly slept with one of the actresses in the video. He yelled that out right in front of his very own boss, which was just perfect. Yeah, that's a good moment. Really good. You kind of hope in shows like this that they'll get caught out, you know? You want them to get yeah. caught misbehaving, and that's exactly what happened. Oh, there it is. That was great. Really great. It was great to see him get, you know, dragged across the coals by Jan to be caught out with the inflatable sex doll in his room. 
Like, there was just no getting out of that. Yeah. I think that leads us to the iconic moment of the episode. I thought this was actually, like, a wonderful moment. And the amount of times I have seen this come up on, like, just social media news feeds as just the clip by itself, it's been recommended to me on YouTube. Like, literally just this little clip is more times than I can count. I 100% agree. It's so good. I actually got, a, I actually laughed out loud at this moment. It was so great. After Michael has been talked to by, by some of his higher-ups, he comes out announcing, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm, t- today is the announcement of my retirement from comedy. I'll no longer make jokes. I'll no longer send out email forwards, at which point, at which point Jim says, Does that include, that's what she said? And then Michael says, mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that, that's including, that's what she says. And then Jim just says, Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling. So. And everyone's just, you can see Todd Packer and some of the guys just kind of holding back laughter. And then Michael just eventually caves and says, That's what she said! <laughs> <laughs> and then his bosses drag him back in, into the office to talk to him again. While he's like laughing out loud and like <laughs> celebrating the joke. <laughs> because so good. in this moment, he was actually funny. Yeah, In this moment, yeah. Michael Scott was hilarious. It's, oh, that, was, that was actually a good moment. That's a great moment. That's what she said! <laughs> <laughs> I loved the reaction shots in this. And I love it when The Office does these situations where most people feel a very specific way. And then there's someone in the audience who, who doesn't. So, in this case, he's saying it's his, like, retirement from comedy. And most people are, like, mostly nonchalant, a little bit happy about it. And there is Dwight, like, incredibly upset, like, nearly in tears. (laughs) Because he said it's his retirement from comedy and he's no longer friends with anybody in the office. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so good. Man, Dwight's the best. Dwight's the best. Man, he carries this stuff. Oh. Yeah, so it's after the the sexual harassment talk, and Toby says, "You know, I'm. If you have any questions, you know where I where I work. So just come over and chat to me anytime." And so Dwight goes over to him, and he's like, "He said we could had we could ask you any questions, right?" So where's the clitoris? <laughs> and it ends up being like a straight up and down sex ed conversation with yeah. his HR representative. And at, at the end, and you just hear like the last bit of the conversation where Toby, where Toby's like, you know, maybe when you get really comfortable with each other, you can ask for that. Good. That was good. And Poor then Toby. Just, Toby just finishes it up. Such with, a big heart. You know, <laughs> even he's like, technically I am in human resources, yet Dwight was asking me about human anatomy. I'm just <laughs> sad that the public school system has failed him so badly. This is the same guy sitting around monkey sex videos. It gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. While uh, while Michael was making this declaration to the office, there's this wonderful, wonderful moment where there's just a shot of Champ. Sorry. There's a- <laughs> just leave that in. Don't even cut that out. Oh, He's no. Champ, Where is he? Oh, I've forgotten his real name in the show. Todd Packer. Todd Packer. Thank you. Champ Kine and Todd Packer, they sound like best friends. There's a moment where Todd Packer 
just gives Michael the nod. Just that half nod to say, yeah, making that joke is the right thing to do. And he just a sly smile and it's subtle and it's actually beautiful. Like just a great shot. And I reflect back to our episodes. Like remember the Towley episode in South Park where they couldn't even be bothered like putting in new frames. So they just have like a single picture of Oprah's crotch with a voiceover. And just to think that like... This show can pack so much into, like, 20 minutes and all these subtleties and, like, characterization and all these interesting things happening. And and honestly, like, it's only, what, the 10th episode that they made? I don't think it's even that. Yeah, because there's only, like, what, six episodes in the first season? They're doing this in spite of not having built those characters out. And it's actually incredible. I think that they could pull that off so soon. And this, this, this is just where the, the office, as you said, it's just where it really shines. And speaking of offices, you can't send around chain emails if your business's internet is subpar. Switchnode are the proud sponsor of Rough in the Diamonds, and what they do is simple. They arrange internet and phones for your business. But what they do is difficult. They choose from different suppliers and options out there and make sure that your business is getting the best that it can. So why not do the best for your business? Visit switchnode.com.au. I, I don't want to keep going through this in, in intricate detail. Uh, some episodes, you know, you kind of have to. Michael brings in his own sort of two-bit, better call Saul type lawyer. It's revealed that the corporate lawyer is his lawyer because he's part of corporate and he's a manager. And this really weird thing gets said. And it's weird. And I... Yet again, I can't get it into my head. He he starts going on about how he's upper management. I am so used to being the bad boy. I am so used to fighting corporate that I forget that I am corporate. Upper management. He's not yeah. upper management. He's the lowest level of management. He's lower management. Yeah. On a good day, you might call that middle management. I don't understand why he's told his upper management when he's got middle management sitting in front of him who are his bosses that's so weird to me and it gets said a few times am i just supposed to take away that michael is even confused about his own position in the company like is that the lesson i don't feel like it is i don't feel like that's a joke yeah i mean like sometimes you feel it is because of how sort of bumbling he is and he just doesn't really know what he's doing but He's just managing a small branch with, what, 20 people there? Mm. Probably not even 20 people. Yeah, he's a, he's a branch manager. Um, yeah. I don't know why that triggers me so much. Like, he thinks that he's C-suite. But <laughs> it really did. Yeah. I guess so, because you're, you're kind of, like, you do work in that sort of big, like, sort of business office kind of environment. So, I suppose you'd be more familiar with that with those sort of yeah, terms. Yeah, and look, look, and being an office fan, like, sometimes that stuff gets done a little bit wrong and I get I get a little bit confused about it. Later in the show, they keep bringing in the CFO and the CFO, like, manages staff and, like, does sales strategy and hiring and firing and it's just really strange to me that the people who wrote it didn't stop to think of, like, what an actual CFO's job is. Yeah, they probably... I'm guessing maybe they didn't actually hire someone from an from like an office to come and tell things tell them it's, how it's things not that work. hard right like they work for a really big company themselves that makes 
TV shows was it? Um, yeah, yeah. CBS that made this like, one. Wh- yeah, <laughs> like one yeah, just, just like ask managers. their boss. <laughs> well, hey, what's the term for this guy? Lower management. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Goodbye. That's all I need you for. I you know that because I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Um, and and we have sort of the finale of the episode, which is kind of where you would expect the episode to really display that your main character has learned a lesson. Michael goes like maybe a quarter of the way to displaying that he's learned a lesson, but not really. Like yeah, he almost does because you're thinking of the part where someone like insults Phyllis, I think, right? Yeah, Packer's making all the dirty jokes in the in the open yeah. floor. Yeah. And then for for a minute there, Michael's kind of stands up for her and you're like, oh, that's really cool. That's good of him. He's actually doing something good. But then he just ruins it by being highly inappropriate afterwards. Yeah, and and not standing up to Packer, but pretending to stand up to Kevin. Yeah, when, like, Packer's obviously the problem here. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know if maybe that's still the, um, the UK office flavor that's kind of still sitting around. The, the 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 boss is just has to be so deeply flawed mm. that is that is unlikable. How did how did the ending make you feel? I thought I didn't th- nothing special. I guess I think it ended with another one of those talking heads things of just just Michael saying that you know you got to be careful what you say in the office. And he's like, oh. it closed out with cringe. The joke about getting a boner, and then the joke about yeah. being in. Uh, in a bath, uh, bath with, with Pam. Pam. I, I get the joke, but I just sort of cringed at the whole lot. Yeah, it was, it was like kind of funny, but it was like, oh, we didn't really, you know, could have could have t- just left that one. wasn't really necessary. Yeah, it's it's just so funny to have an episode that has so much good about it, but then to still sort of be sitting here going, oh, it made me cringe and I didn't like that. It made mm. me feel that way. <laughs> it's really strange to have all that package together. Yeah. But Dave, that, that, that closes the episode out. How, how did you feel about um, reviewing a second iconic episode? I had a good time with this one, actually, despite the, the cringe moments. It was still really, it still had some great moments in the episode. Um, it's good to get into the office. You know, it's, it's very popular. Lots of people love it. You know, I'm a fan myself. It's great. Uh, how did you feel about it, mate? Oh, look, it's just such a wonderful show. And it was a real pleasure just to be able to, for this podcast, sit down and enjoy deeply one of those episodes. And like we talked about with Scrubs, like, you watch it over and over and over again, the cringe wears off a little bit, I found. (laughs) But there's so much good in it that it... There was no problem with just, you know, watching this through three times so that I'm fully, like, ready to... To talk on a podcast about it yeah like i watched it about three or four times and i didn't really i wasn't just dead sick of it by the end of it like i was with gray's anatomy i suppose it was half the length of it so but even so i had a good time I had a good time re-watching it yeah and um i kind of like these um iconic moments as well uh we might slip a few more iconic episodes in here and there as we go Oh, absolutely. I'll be looking forward to those with glee. Oh, and a little PSA for Office fans. 
we did look at doing one of the later episodes of The Office as an out-of-place episode when it's actually a backdoor pilot when Dwight Schrute goes home to his ancestral farm and you meet the rest of the Schrute family. But then at the end of the day, it was just too weird, guys. It was just too weird. We, we can't go doing episodes on stuff that is just bizarre because at the end of the day, it gives us nothing to laugh about and uh, yeah. doesn't give us much to talk about, unfortunately. A bit hard to work with, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll put this one on the shelf right next to Happy Days Jumping the Shark. Yeah. And uh, move into finding out what this show, The Office, must really be about. It's a way of being smug and superior. They're ignorant. You bring me the rough, but never a diamond. Stupid. And narcissistic. Just push the too far this time, man. They learnt nothing. Self-righteous life forms who are eager to prosecute, to judge anything they don't understand. I don't understand. Lucky you said. Sorry? What? What the? Yeah. Was it something I said? So, Dave, we've reached the point in the episode where with ignorant prejudice we give our views on what this tv series must be about had we only had this one episode as the template if you'd walked into your friend's house and only ever seen this one episode the assumption in your mind about what the show must be about so dave tell me what is the american office about Okay, I'll gladly divulge this with you. So, The Office is a show about the manager of a small, redundant business, a paper company, the manager being Michael Scott. Now, Michael, Michael, he's always been a carefree, fun-loving guy who's never quite fit in with that office workspace. But after making one too many inappropriate comments to his subordinates, he's fired for gross sexual misconduct upon which he decides to finally pursue his lifelong dream of becoming a comedian. He starts out small, with a few Thursday night gigs while working as a bartender to make ends meet, before eventually moving on to larger weekend shows. He finally gets his big break when he is approached by a talent scout after a particularly good show. The the talent scout tells him that he's looking for a comedian to star in an upcoming TV mockumentary series, and that Michael would be the perfect fit. In this series, Michael has to play an unconventional manager at a small office of a redundant business. Beautiful. Got a bit meta there. You've got to close the circle. Yeah. Now, would you like to take it away, Nathan, with uh, what your prediction would be? Certainly. Based on this episode alone, The Office is a show about an abusive workplace. Sexual and emotional abuse are rife. The men on the show hate women. Women are consistently belittled and hate their empty, vapid lives. In fact, women hardly even have screen time on the show, except to be appalled by male behaviour or to be the victims of it. What's worse is that management are aware yet they use their legal clout to defend lower management and staff perpetrating these heinous activities. Covering it up using modern corporate HR strategies. The Office, an American workplace. Oh man, that's a 
Kind of dark, isn't it? But really telling. <laughs> it's bleak. Telling. Yeah, really bleak. I think it's a shame they didn't have more of Todd Packer in the show. He shows up every now and again. But I, I just really enjoyed the fact that he could stir things up in the way that he did. His, appear- his appearances are few and far between, but he still is just such like an impact just because of how just brash and rude and inappropriate and sexist he is. And Dave, it was nice to break away from Out of Place episodes just for a moment, uh, but we're back to it next week. What's our next episode? Next time, we will be reviewing Modern Family, Season 6, Episode 16, Connection Lost. This is a cracking good Out of Place episode. Yeah, absolutely. Without giving too much away, with every part of the whole episode taking place on a computer screen. A single computer screen. Yeah, really well done. I was actually interested the entire time. I was invested. I wanted to know what was Mm. happening. Yeah, I'm looking forward to breaking this one apart. It's, it's really different from, from anything we've, we've looked at before. Yeah, 100%. Um, and today, I think, a really great uh, lesson on some of the good things uh, that we can take away when we inevitably produce the Australian version of The Office. Absolutely, I can't wait. As soon as I get home, we're just going to be jumping into filming, okay? Yeah. I have to ask, though, Nathan, when we film The Australian Office, not yeah. if, but when, mm-hmm. who would you play? Who would you be? And who, who would you be? Oh, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so bold as to think that I'd get an acting position. I think there's there's plenty of uh, talented people out there in our nation who are who will suit that role perfectly well. But I, I wouldn't, I wanna, wouldn't want to give anything away too soon before we start casting. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we want to keep it under wraps. So <laughs> keep it, keep it under our hats. Have, um, <laughs> yeah, keep keep it under wraps, under our hats, boys. We've got. You know, this is a uh, big, big news, big news for for Australia, for the world, even. Yeah. So, um, just yeah. We'll so, if, if our listeners could keep this to themselves and not share it about, we'd appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Anyway, I'm Nathan, and you can find me on Twitter at Good Jibes Only. And I'm Dave, and you can find me on Facebook at Rough in the Diamonds Memes, or on Twitter at Rough in the Diamonds. Music and interstitials by Scott Buckley Music and Headshot to the Heart. And special thanks to our sponsor, Switchnode. You're the meme lord. Meme, meme it. Meme it. If you were a Star Trek captain, when you went to, like, um, warp speed, you'd say, meme it. That'd be your thing. Meme it, so. Meme it. It doesn't really work. Meme it. No, that Just was a really nice, it. clear. Meme Just it. meme it. Meme it. Meme it. Take yourself a meme and post it. <laughs> post uh, it on Twitter. I- post it Facebook. Post it on Reddit. And everyone will look. It's <laughs> meme it. <laughs> meme it. <laughs> Don't you make me repeat it. Post a rage c- comic. Post a caption. Post a mashup. Post some action. Just meme it. (laughs) Just meme it, meme it, meme it, meme it. Meme it, meme it, meme it, meme it. Alright. Tell me that was recording. Yeah, I recorded that. Oh, nice.